This morning we're continuing our sermon series through the lectionary this summer and uh, we'll continue today by uh, looking at Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 through 28. This is found on page 957 in your pew Bible if you'd like to follow along with me. But before I read that, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will. For all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you and we thank you for your love. Amen. So again, Colossians chapter 1, beginning with verse 15. He, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him God was pleased to reconcile to God's self all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. And you who were once estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his fleshly body through death, so as to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him, provided that you continue securely established and steadfast in the faith, without shifting from the hope promised by the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. I, Paul, became a servant of this gospel, and I am now rejoicing in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am completing what is lacking in the church's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. I became its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery that has been hidden throughout the ages and generations, but has now been revealed to God's saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is he whom we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone in all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Since the invention of the cell phones, the smartphones rather, all of us have been carrying around photo albums in our pockets. Along with computers and with phones and with cameras and with music players and with radios and everything else a cell phone does now, we've been carrying around pictures in our pockets of countless different pictures of things that happen all throughout our lives. I looked at my cell phone this past week. I think I have, believe it or not, over a thousand pictures on my cell phone. We carry those around, pictures of everything we've done and every place we've gone, pictures of ourselves, pictures of sunsets. I have lots of pictures of my dogs and my cat on my phone, to be honest. But before smartphones, we used to carry around pictures as well, but not thousands of pictures, just a few pictures in our wallets. 
You might remember that we used to have these little plastic sleeves that came in our wallets and our bags every time you bought a new wallet or a new bag. These little plastic sleeves where you could put five or six or seven pictures in it so that you could pull it out and share your pictures with friends whenever you wanted to. Pictures of, of our families, pictures of our friends, just a few, not thousands, but just a few. When I was growing up, uh, my parents had pictures of me in their wallet. In fact, when I would get school pictures, you could buy wallet-sized pictures from your school pictures so that you could pass them out to all of your family and make sure that they were keeping a picture of me in their pocket. When I was old enough to have a wallet, I had pictures in my wallet too. Usually there was always a picture of my family, my mom and dad, my brother and myself, a picture of my grandparents who lived in South Georgia, and one special picture of my grandmother who passed away when I was six years old. I can still remember that little picture that I had of her. She was wearing a, a purple jacket that had a, a little decorative pin right on the lapel, and she had her, her hair in tight gray curls. I remember that picture so fondly. But it was more than that. Every time I, I looked at that picture, I remembered how my grandmother took care of me when I was just a small child. I remember how she would come and pick me up sometimes from preschool and take me to her house and she would have a bowl of peppermint ice cream that she would sit there on the breakfast table and I would get that as my snack after preschool. And then I would sit down on this itchy, stiff couch that she had and we would turn on a TV that took about 10 minutes to warm up before you could watch it and then we would watch her soap operas while we waited for my mother to come and pick me up. I remember her fondly. She always had great lessons for me. She would always try to teach me not to fight with my brother. Always try to teach me to, to love my mom and love my dad and respect them, not to give them any trouble. I'm ashamed to say I don't have that picture on my phone. It's just a memory now, but I still think of that picture fondly because that picture carries more meaning to it than just that little photo in two dimensions. It carries the meaning of who she was and how much she meant to me, and all the things that she tried to teach me, that picture I used to carry around in my wallet. Maybe many of you have pictures that you carry around and pull out and show people from time to time, pictures of your friends and your family, people who mean the most to you. Well, when I was a child, my minister used to tell us that just like we carry around pictures of our families in our wallets, so we also carry a picture of God in our hearts. This picture of God is, is usually a little bit different for every single person because after all, we're all very different people. We have different experiences, we grow up in different places, and that picture that we develop of God usually is, comes from all the different experiences in our life, whether we've seen pictures of Jesus on a Sunday school classroom wall, whether we've read our favorite passages of the Bible, or maybe the ups and downs of life. Our picture of God is developed by all of those things. And if we went around the room and asked you to describe that, pictures of, that picture, your own picture of God, it would probably be similar to each other and also a little bit different. But that picture of God that we have in our hearts, in many ways, is our very first statement of faith, of who we believe God is, and what God is calling us to do as human beings. Because everything we do in life is first based on who we think God is and what God means to us. And so it's important 
to think about that picture that we have of God. If that picture of God is of a, of, of a tyrant God who wants us to do well, who takes marks and takes, keeps score of our sins, then it might mean that we are somewhat judgmental ourselves of the people around us. Or if that picture of God is like a jolly Santa Claus who doesn't really seem to care about what we do, just easily forgives us, then our faith might be more of cheap grace where we're not too worried about what happens in this world. Our picture of God is our statement of faith, and it is important for us to have a picture of God that draws us out into the world to help us live our faith as we are called to as disciples. Paul the Apostle thought that picture was very important too. And apparently, for the Colossians, that picture of God that they had was getting distorted. Now, Colossae was a, was a small town in modern-day Turkey. It was probably one of the smallest towns that Paul ever wrote to, but it had apparently some big problem. We don't know exactly what the influence was. Maybe some Gnostics of some kind were coming in and telling the church there that their understanding of God was off, that they could find out more about God in other places besides just Jesus Christ. And so Paul writes to this little church, the Colossians, and reminds them of their picture of God. It tries to pull that picture of God back into focus. And he does so by beginning his letter with these words that I just read to you, these words that are all about Jesus, telling us that Jesus Christ was the image of God. It could also be translated as painting or picture, or we might think of it as a photograph. But he goes on to say it's so much more than a photograph because the fullness of God could be found in Jesus. The fullness of God, who God is, what God does, how God works, how God loves us, could all be found in Jesus Christ. This passage that I just read to you is sometimes called the Christ hymn in Colossians. Not to be confused with the Christ hymn that is also found in Philippians. They're two different versions of, of the same message, the message of who Jesus Christ is as the Son of God or the fullness of God. Now there's no real evidence that this was an actual hymn from that time, but it's written sort of like a creed, sort of like a motto, so that the people of Col the Colossians could, could read it and remember it and recite it. And any time that picture started to get a little bit out of focus, they could go back and read these words again and remember once again the fullness of Jesus Christ who reconciled the entire creation to God's self through His life, through His death, through His resurrection. The fullness of Christ who was the firstborn of all creation. The fullness of Christ who was the fullness of God in the flesh. Anytime they needed to refocus that picture, they could just read these words. And believe it or not, that's happened many times throughout creation. In our creeds that we read here in our church, in the book of confessions that we have as a part of our faith, and maybe even in some of the songs that we sing on Sunday mornings, often those things were written in response to a debate about who Jesus Christ was. For instance, the Nicene Creed, which is in our hymn book, and sometimes we say it on Sunday mornings. It was a, a creed written in response to a debate about who Jesus Christ was. Some people thought that Jesus was just this really great created angel, this powerful heavenly being that God sent down to the earth to, to change the world. But there were a whole other group of people that said, no, 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 Jesus wasn't some created being. Jesus was God. 
Very God of very God, begotten, not made. And so they wrote this creed, their own Christ hymn, to remind us of who God is, to help us refocus that picture a little bit. And maybe from time to time we need to refocus our picture of God. Because there are all sorts of pictures of God that we have in our hearts. For some of us, there's some Christians around the world who just think of the heavenly being Jesus. This Jesus that gets us to heaven, that gets us our eternal salvation, but doesn't really care about the needs and the worries of this world. And then there are others that think of Jesus as just a very wonderful human being who walked around and cared for the needs of this world, but seemed to lack the the eternal hope and the defining love that came through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we need to change our focus of that picture as well. Because when our picture is in focus, it not only changes our understanding of who God is, but it changes our understanding of who we are and who the world is as well. The great reformer, or reformed theologian, I'm sorry, Karl Barth, used to say that we as limited human beings have absolutely no idea who God is unless God reveals God's self to us through Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit. But once that happens, once our eyes are open to God in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit, We can see God at work all around us in countless ways. Once God opens our eyes through the Trinity, we can see God all around us in other people and even in ourselves. And I'm not just talking about the the high places and the holy people. I'm talking about in the low places and in the unholy people too. Once our eyes are opened and we can see God in Jesus Christ, we can see God in countless ways everywhere. Let me give you an example of that. I think I told you this story years ago, but I was once working as an intern at a church in downtown Atlanta, and they had a, an outreach center there, a center that was really purely works, their goal was to work with the homeless people who lived around the church there. And we had a, the director of the outreach center was a, a classmate of mine from seminary named Andy. Andy would come to staff meeting every day, and he would say, it's a wonderful day in the outreach center, really smiley and happy and I always thought this guy's got to be joking because I knew what he was dealing with every day down in the outreach center. People who were hurting, people who were downtrodden, people who had, had lost their homes, people who were struggling, and people who were also very difficult to work with like a woman named Ruth. Ruth was a a homeless neighbor who lived right around the church, and all the time she would come in, sometimes smelling like alcohol, sometimes always seemingly asking for something. Every time we would try to do something for her, it seemed like she could never follow through. When we would set up appointments for her, she would never show up. She was the most frustrating and infuriating person, and I knew Andy had to work with people like her. One day I went down to the outreach center just to talk to Andy about something else, and I saw him standing in the corner, a big smile on his face. And he was looking over at a table where Ruth was sitting with another young woman. He was smiling so big, and I noticed Ruth was talking to this woman, and he, I asked Andy what was going on, and he said, Ruth is just reminding me of Jesus. Apparently she was sitting there talking to another woman who had just become homeless, and she was trying to comfort her and, and give her compassion and, and help her not give up hope. And I said, Andy, how does Ruth Remind you of Jesus? Does she remind you by the way she smells? Does she remind you by the way she acts? Does she remind you by, about Jesus by all the ways she frustrates you? And he says, no. 
She reminds me of Jesus because she knows how that pain feels. And she's not letting her give up hope. It was a wonderful day in the outreach center every single day because for Andy, he knew he might bump in to the risen Christ. Because first and foremost, his picture of Jesus Christ was in focus. His understanding of who God was and who God is was in focus. He knew who Jesus Christ was. This Jesus who came to this world to reveal God's self to us, to live with us in compassion, to lift us up, and to remind us once again that we are God's beloved children. Because that picture was in focus, Andy could see Christ in the world around him. But not only out there, also right in here. Because after all, if we are disciples of Jesus Christ, if we are Jesus Christ's brother, if we are children of God, then just like family, we ought to resemble Jesus too. I told you I don't have that picture of my grandmother on my phone, but I did find it the other day. I was going through some stuff in my closet, and I found a couple of old wallets that I had kept over the years. And in that wallet, I not only saw that picture of my grandmother, but I saw a couple of other old pictures too. I saw a picture of my mom and my dad in there. My mom and my dad from years ago when they were about my age now. And I have to tell you, it struck me when I saw it that I look more and more like my father every day. You can insert whatever joke about becoming your parent uh, you want to right in there. There are a lot of things about my dad I don't want to become, but I noticed as I looked at this picture that there's so much about his build, there's so much about his facial structure, there's so much about the way he looks that looks a lot like me. But not only that, there's so much about his temper, so much about his warped sense of humor, that's a lot like me too. But I also hope that his compassion for other people, his generosity, his care, his faithfulness to his family... I hope I look like that, too. Because you see, we're supposed to look like our parents. We're supposed to look like our family. We're supposed to resemble those who are part of our family. And if we call ourselves children of God, then truly, we should resemble that picture of Jesus that we have in our hearts. Think for just a minute about your picture of Jesus. I'm not talking about those pictures that you saw on Sunday school walls. I'm talking about that picture that come from passages like this one in the Bible. That picture of Jesus that you have. That picture of Jesus who healed the sick. That picture of Jesus who fed people who were hungry. That picture of Jesus who performed miracles. That picture of Jesus who cried at the death of his friend Lazarus. That picture of Jesus who looked down from the cross and said, Forgive these people who are killing me. That picture of Jesus who rose from the dead, who gave us eternal hope. That picture of Jesus that we read about in Paul's letters, that picture of Jesus that we sing about when we sing Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. That picture of Jesus is who we are called to resemble as well as children of God. Not only so that we see Jesus Christ and other people with courage and compassion, but we allow other people to see Jesus in us with courage and compassion. That's hard to do, but sometimes it means we just have to take out these words of the Christ hymn and 
Refocus that picture that we have in our minds. Refocus that picture that we have in our hearts. This morning, I want to leave you with another Christ hymn. It was a a benediction that another pastor, Presbyterian pastor named Gary Bullard, used to always end his worship services with. Just like I end with the five things every week, he used to always end with these words, and I want to share them with you. May the one who walks on wounded feet walk with you on your way. May the one who serves with outstretched hands stretch out your hands in service. May the one who loves with unconditional love fill your hearts with such love. And as you go from this place, may you see the face of Christ in every person you meet. And may every person you meet see Christ in you. Take out that picture that you have in your heart. Look for it out there in the world. Take out that picture that you have in your heart. And let other people see it in you. It may be the only way they get to see Christ. To see Christ in your face. So let it be. Amen.